Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 50. We're raising the bat at the uh, halfway to a ton mark in the 1% of podcasts, apparently, that get past 20 episodes. Good on us. Uh, that was uh, Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, coming to you from in Icelandic this week. Icelandic. Anyone? No? According to Google. I've got Tommy on the other end of the line, as usual. Uh, Tommy, do you know any Icelandic? Uh, do you want me to try? No. No, I shouldn't. I know none. I just, I think it's a really, it's a beautiful language. And I like that you're bringing out all the classic uh, fan favorites because it's 50. We're just going to do a roll call of all of our best moments. <laughs> all the Google translates. Yeah. A clip yeah. show. Yeah, sure. Uh, should we just jump straight into this uh, relegation scrap? Um, you didn't want to pat ourselves on the back a little bit more? No, nah, no, nah, I did it. Big achievement. Nah. It's not really a, it's not really a big thing in football culture, is it? Like bringing up 50 games or... I'm saving it for the... Well, you play 50 games a fucking year for your club. <laughs> I'm saving it for the bigger one birth, one year old birthday celebrations in a couple of weeks where we go to the Sorsby Maccas and ride the train. Yes, yes. Live recording from the tram. I'm yeah. convinced it's a tram. I, I don't know anymore. Last week, you were arguing that it was a train and I said tram. This week, I'm saying it's a train and you're saying it's a tram. Whatever. We're just trying to keep you on your toes, that's all. Fair. Let's go into this relegation scrap. Uh, Norwich, Watford, Newcastle, Leeds, and I'm going to throw Everton into the mix as well after this loss to Villa on the weekend. What's happening here? Uh, Where do you want to start with these guys? Uh, not Leeds. No, let's go Leeds. I th- honestly thought we were out of this mess, but apparently not. It's funny how like there was a massive three points against Newcastle because if we had won that, Leeds jump above Brentford after the weekend's results, you know, up up around Crystal Palace region, and you're thinking, oh, okay, easy mid table, no worries. Yep. You know, massive three points for the tune. Yeah. Uh, should we put? Should we be putting Leeds in the relegation scrap combo as well? Yes, I think so. I, yeah, it's going to be difficult to not include Leeds. If you're going to put Everton in there, then surely you throw Leeds in too. I guess so, so, yeah. I mean, so inconsistent, man. You can't not. As it stands, Leeds, are, they're, they're well out of it. More well, seven points, uh, three points ahead of Everton. But Everton have a game on them. Uh, Norwich are out of the relegation zone at the moment. But, uh, you know, Burnley still have... You know, three, four games in hand on everyone else. Um, not, yeah, four games in hand on like Norwich and stuff. So, not necessarily points banked though. And no, we'll get into Burnley later. But you know, how many points can you realistically see them without knowing who they're playing? Surely you're only thinking a maximum of one or two. <laughs> I I think they still stay around the bottom three there. I think they're going down. Uh, I'd rather have points on the board at this stage than be having Always. the pressure of needing them. For Watford, I mean, we talked a lot about well, we talked a lot about Norwich earlier in the season, how absolutely putrid they were. Watford haven't been great either, but I didn't expect them to be stranded down here on fourteen with now Norwich now two points ahead of them after that three point uh, three nil win away as well. Huge win. Uh, the red card maybe had a little bit to play with it, but. We everyone had written Norwich off, and I had them already relegated. I think a few months ago, it just in no way, shape, or form it looked like they were going to pull themselves off the bottom. But 
Yeah, I, I don't think they're playing any better or doing anything different. The other clubs are just on a cataclysmic slide. Watford, after changing the manager, you know, they, un- they even unearth a, a striker gem and it's still, you know, it's not enough for them to get over the line at the moment. They've played every trick in the book. They're very, very much in trouble. Yeah, Watford very much in trouble. I, at the moment, I have them and Burnley as the two teams. Locked on. Uh, I've locked them both in to go down. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be very worried if I was Everton right now looking at form. I still think they're probably good enough. Should just be. on paper, squad yep. alone. Uh, and they, have, they do have a new manager to come in soon as well. So depending on who that is, you could get a little bump, maybe a yep. change of fortune. Yeah. And they, were, they weren't horrid Saturday night. Uh, they were probably unlucky not to get a point, just not enough quality in their finishing. They probably created more. I can't recall if they did create more chances than Villa. It seemed that they did. Um, certainly had more corners, more of the ball in the second half. Villa looked like a side just ready to um, lock it in with their 1-0 lead and take the points. Uh, to their credit, they did that. And for Everton, just another dark day at home. This oh, season. yeah. Villa did it. Pretty comfortably in the end. Everton only had one shot on target. So 15 shots, they really did pepper the goal. Uh, but you could see from their XG, it was just, you know, chances that were not anywhere near clear cut or they shouldn't be taken on. They're missing one pass in the final third, it seems. And they had they had Cavett Lewin back this game, didn't they? And I think Richarlison played yeah, too, he didn't played. he? He missed a couple, I think. A um, little bit of rust, perhaps. I, yeah, Richarlison put himself about. That's about it. Um, they, the other week we laughed about this, uh, what was his name? Uh, Gordon. What's his oh, name? Yeah, Will Gordon. I can't remember. I don't know his first name. The one that he, he scored two goals, but every time he took a corner, it went out for a goal kick. <laughs> so in the, <laughs> what was it? <laughs> in the Villa game, stoppage time, one nil down, Pickford comes up for the corner. They've got 11 or well, 10 players in the box. Gordon to take the corner. Swings out for a goal kick before it even gets to the box. This is like 94th minute. Uh, <laughs> come on, man. Come on. Oh, what are you doing to us? It's Anthony Gordon. But my man, just we need more braces. We need more at the doubles. Less corners going straight out. Was this there a vicious the... wind? Can we blame anything other no. than his poor technique? You can blame the people that still let him take the corners. <laughs> <laughs> Who else would you have on the ball? It's not going to be Andros Townsend. Come on. Is there no one else there that can just knock a ball into the box and not kick it out for a goal kick? This is like, you rarely even see this in like amateur league on Sundays. I'm looking at their first 11 and, and no, unless you're going to have Calvert Lewin taking it, I wouldn't trust any of them. <laughs> trust any of them. This any the of part. them. I'm looking at the side they picked on the weekend and this is the side they've pretty consistently matched up with most of, this, most of the season. Maybe it isn't as good. Maybe this isn't a good side because Andrews Townsend is, you know, he has his moments, but is not the guy that you can play every week and expect to get like consistent good performances from. Demarai Gray is a little bit better, but defensively, Yeri Mina with Holgate, partner to center back. Pickford is. I don't know. I just, I look at that midfield with, um, I look at that midfield with Decore. It's Decore and um, Decore, Andre Gomez. Yeah. Um, Carvert-Lewin, Richarlison up there in attack. I, I don't know. They feel like they should be better, but maybe maybe they shouldn't. They've also got the likes of John Joe Kenny playing right back. So <laughs> they're, just, they're just not good. They're not good. Uh, I, still, be, I still think they'll survive. I'd be backing them to survive. Yeah. 
They should, yes, they should. Um, be funny though in two months' time if we're talking about Everton sliding out of the Premier League. That would be funny. Um, I believe Everton are second, have been in the Premier League or the top division, the second longest out of any club. Them and Arsenal, the only two teams not to be relegated, I believe. Someone can fact check that. But Someone fact check that. I thought Villa go. was in that club too. Uh, down no. Recently. no, they've been down. They were yeah, in, they have, have they were in the championship only recently. Yeah, they had yeah, they were. Yeah. They were yeah. prior to that. Yeah. Bloody hell. Small club. So there you go. Relegation scrap. I had one more note here just about um Norwich. After all this time, we kept talking about surely you can't just keep persisting with Daniel Farker and thinking this is okay because <laughs> you'll win the championship. They finally did it, they got rid of him, and look at this turnaround. Yeah. And <laughs> it's almost like they listened to us finally. Someone, after 50 episodes, someone saw, oh, maybe these guys have a point. People on the Norwich board listened to Night Shift Football and they were like, oh, yeah, fuck. Wait, Daniel, Daniel, come to my office for a sec. Sorry, mate. Have you heard? Fucker you. You're out. <laughs> oh, bravo. That was cheap, wasn't it? That was yeah, low-hanging low joke. But it's the, that's the tastiest fruit. Don't let yeah. them tell you otherwise. Um, Josh Sargent's goal. Did you see the supposed scorpion kick? I, I did. Don't think it's a, I don't think it's a true scorpion. Um. I think he's just, I don't know what he's trying to do. I'm not sure he was trying to shoot. I think it's just hit him. I think he's got a bad first touch. <laughs> that went he's, in. Been, he's been pretty atrocious up until this point. Some yeah. in the media questioning whether or not he's an actual professional footballer or if we've been duped by the Americans again. I, I'm going with duped. He's not a professional footballer. He can't be. Well, when it rains, it pours. He's got one and two goals down in the, in the uh, top flight. So I'll put him in the category with um, Anthony Gordon at Everton. They can't seriously be professional footballers, but all of a sudden, they're at the double. Nice footballers who somehow score braces. This is a, this is a fun yeah, game. Yeah, that'd be a good 11. We'll come up with our niche 11. We won't. We won't do that at all. <laughs> we won't. We don't have the time for that shit. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> Let's uh, move away from the relegation zone up towards the other end of the table. Man United, West Ham at Old Trafford. Did you catch this one? I saw the incident that everyone was talking about. Is that enough? Would that be the, the one goal? Yes. The one goal right at the death. Uh, the Ranić special. Keep it locked, boys. And then, you know, <laughs> spring the counter. <laughs> you do, I do wonder how West Ham was so exposed. Um in the 90th minute, you th- maybe that just... Like 93rd, yeah. Perception of the game. Maybe West Ham thought they needed three points more than Man United thought they needed three points. Maybe. I think uh, on the balance, what I did see of this game, I had it on. Um, it was getting late. Uh, I think United deserved their victory. Uh, they're just, I don't know, they're pretty weird to watch sometimes. They have these passages where everything goes through, like Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo's up and about and... Greenwood zipping around everywhere. They look cool. And then they have other moments where they just look flat-footed, slow and stagnant. But I thought they did deserve to win this. Uh, huge for their top four top four shouts at the moment, especially with Arsenal's form. Um, yeah. yeah, Not so good for West Ham. Spurs very inconsistent. And you see that one win. Well, not that one win. Obviously, it's over the course of the season. But that recent victory has propelled them back into the top four. Uh it's, it's really anybody's. It's up for grabs, man. I reckon if you can put together five like wins in a row at any point for the rest of the season, you'll probably finish fourth because the inability for these sides to really string results together and continue on with that momentum, yep. you know, it's probably resonant of the, the 
equalness of the Premier League in different sections of the table. Yeah. Now, so Man United have moved up into fourth. Um, they're a point ahead of West Ham, but have a game in hand on them. Arsenal are two points behind Man United, but have a game in hand on them also. So, like I said, everyone's right in the mix. Spurs are on the same amount of points, and they've they've only played 20. United have played 22, West Ham 23. So Spurs are probably the one to watch at this point. All of a sudden, Wolves are on 34, so they're right up there too. Yeah, Wolves quietly going about their business again as well. Yeah. Good on them. Um, so f- yeah, four points spreading between fourth and fourth and eighth. So anyone's. What, what did you think of the Cavani offside interpretation? Was it as similar to Harry Kane's as I was thinking or is that a little bit more? Uh, how do you mean? Blatant? Just because they're similar angles and I feel like I feel like in one situation the the advantage has been given to the attacker and you know in the Harry Kane one it wasn't as much. Yeah. So I think you could you could probably call them both offside if you wanted to or call them both onside. I don't know. I'm happy with them being onside. I don't know the Kane mm. one you're talking about. I can't recall right now. But uh, in the Carabao Cup, the Chelsea was the Carabao Cup. Uh, yeah, I can't. I just like can't recall right now. Um, but the, the the Cavani one, they're the ones that I always just think they should be on. Like yeah, it's, it's that close. I was talking to someone last night about it. Like, surely we just just start giving it. I know the laws of the game and the rules of the game say otherwise, but surely we can just give offside based on where your feet are. You know, like if someone's knee is in front because of their running, like the way they're running, obviously your knees are going to be in front or you're leaning. So your chest is in front of the defender. Like you have an outstretched arm pointing at the where the ball is going to be played or something. Yeah. And your shoulder is off or something. It's like, the whole point of offside is to stop you gaining an unfair advantage over the defender. You're not exactly. gaining an advantage because you lean when you run. Your chest is further forward. Like, it's it's nonsense. It's um, the same We want action, to see goals. Yeah. So we need to stop looking for excuses to chalk them off. Happy with the goal being given. Good on United. West Ham, probably going to try and find some form soon. Yeah. Yeah, that's a couple of defeats in a row. Um, competing in a few competitions as well, so going to have to spread themselves on a, on a bunch of different fronts. Be interesting yep. to see where they end up this season. Could they potentially miss Europe altogether? Yes, I think so. 100% they potentially could, yep. Luckily, there's that um, UEFA Conference League for mid, <laughs> mid-table teams to play in. I would rather miss out. A little, a little pat on the head and say, thanks for trying. If you didn't qualify for Europa League, surely you'd want to finish just lower and not finish in the Conference League spot. Surely. If I would only compete if they gave the Conference League winner automatic entry into the Champions League. I guess so. You don't, I don't know if you want those. If you're a mid-table team, you don't want those extra league, uh, extra games in your season with your already not, thin squad. Think about the, the cash flow. If you can get a, um, a group stage entry or a, or a third qualifying round entry to the Champions League, could be worth the, could be worth the punt. Could be worth the punt. Um, Southampton played City Sunday morning. They did. Did you see any of this one? I saw that Southampton bogeyed out Manchester City once again and thought, yep, that's it. That's all I need to know. <laughs> uh, Southampton, more than deserving of their point, probably had, they had enough chances to win it. They just obviously they don't have the same quality that City does. Um, City, just a little blip on the radar for them. They'll bounce back, I'm sure. But 
Or is the title league back on? Is it back on? Who it knows? It could be back on. It if could Liverpool be win on. their game in hand, it's only six points. It could be back on. But City, um, Guardiola came out and said that his team were excellent against Southampton. They weren't. He's just saying that. That's pure nonsense. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, good on Southampton. Good goal as well to start up. And then, uh, yeah, good on them getting a point against the big boys. Against the big boys. They have a habit of doing this. Uh, I think they drew at home to United at the beginning of the season as well. So, you know, tough side to beat. And any, any game where you have 25% of the ball and you somehow get a point, you know, you have defended well and your organization must be pretty spot on. Yeah. The only uh, downer I'd mention is the, the way that they conceded Southampton. Um, the set piece and the marking is just like non-existent. Yeah. Uh, Laporte probably could have just brought it down and walked it into the net if he wanted to, but he finished. Good on him. It would have been much gutsier for him to bring it down and walk it in. And I yeah. feel like, you know, in a team with the wages that they have, maybe that's what should be expected of them. They should be, they should be walking every goal in the net. Yeah. I yeah. think that should be the, that's a handicap. They can't shoot from distance anymore. Fair. Lock it in. Done. We'll, we'll propose it. We'll do another change.org. More rules uh, to ruin the Premier League. Yeah, do it. Uh, just a quick mention for Wolves as we get into the Sunday night games, beating Brentford. We already just touched on them there, um, but another three points puts them right in the hunt for top four. Can they do it? Probably not, but yeah, they're in the mix. Most definitely. The most like inconspicuous top flight side you know, in the last 10 years, Wolves. I don't know. <laughs> You just, you can't think, they've got good players, obviously. Ruben Neves, uh, Joe Matinho, both on the, on the score sheet again. You know, these are good footballers, but you just would not expect Wolves to be contesting Spurs and Arsenal and stuff at the moment. Because no one talks about them either. Yeah, especially not given how they've been playing this season as well. But um, other players in there like Daniel Pedance, Nelson Semedo, uh, good to watch. Connor Cody's pretty solid at the back. Like yes, you said, Neves, yeah. Matinho. And Donker in that midfield as well. So good side. Adama Traore coming off the bench these days because, like I said, he is not good. I'll contest that. When he's when he's at the optimum grease level, he is on fire. <laughs> grease but, me up, woman. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't find her at the moment. I think he's either too greasy or not greasy enough. You just need to go back a couple years and find that level. Yeah. Bunch Lady Doris, grease up Adama, please. We'll move into... Uh, <laughs> Arsenal, Burnley, nil all last night at the Emirates. Gross, gross. Uh, a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot. I want to say about this. My <laughs> God, the floor is yours. Firstly, from an Arsenal perspective, just simply not good enough. Like they had patches where, when they did start moving the ball, uh, one and two touches running and making space. They created really good openings and just didn't finish. They need to finish better. Also, Part of that also was Burnley just having so many numbers in there to block shots and their keeper pulled off a couple of cracking saves. But other than that, there were some chances there that really need to be put away if you want to win these games. Uh, for the rest of it, though, just slow. Like we took like three or four touches each, each player before they pass the ball, that kind of thing, mm. allowing Burnley to set up. And that's just what they do really well. I wonder if, from a Burnley perspective now, whether you could be fucked if you're a professional footballer and you were an attacker, why, why you would want to play 
at this club. Like, if you were, <laughs> do they go to training? <laughs> I've already gotten the caveat out of the way that Arsenal should have won anyway. I get that. Yeah. But if you're a professional footballer and you're an attacker, what do you get out of playing for a club like Burnley? It's the big fish in the small pond scenario. I reckon you've got to have like huge ego, like a total ideologue, uh, like just can think that you can single-handedly pull up a side like Burnley and make them competitive in this division. That's all I can think of. Although, you know, (laughs) you look at the past, Chris Wood doesn't really reek of that kind of character, but Ashley Barnes certainly does. Ashley Barnes certainly does. They're just like, you'd be, you're running around chasing like the striker, like Jay Rodriguez spent most of last night 30 yards out from his penalty area. Like, is that how you want to be playing your football? When they go to training, is everyone just camped in the box at Turf Moor and the assistant coaches just pump balls in there and they had them clear? I think, I think at training, the center backs just get to take turns in lining up their attackers and it's just crunch after crunch. That's why yeah. they're conditioned not to go anywhere near the box on game day. Yeah. There'll be people arguing like, yeah, Burnley Burnley do what they um they do what they do well. And it does get them points. I just feel like their entire aim every like with Burnley, I don't see this relegation scrap thing where you survive and you consolidate and then the next year you look to move up. It looks to me like every year their number one goal is to finish seventeenth. Yeah. Which is I to not go is. down. And it's just to stay there. And I just, I don't know how much joy you can get out of that. I'd, I'd almost rather go down and then have a crack in the championship and win some games. It's just yeah, have some just fun. Have some fun. It's better for your club, surely, than just hanging around 17th. I think that's from our perspective. I reckon there's a, there's a huge contingent of football fans that care more about the success of their side and they would feel happier to stay in the Prem than get relegated. And, and even if you did go down and win some games and come back up and have a bit of fun, I reckon they would prefer. Yeah. I think there's more people like that in the world, to be honest. That's just, I, for me, that's just like, that is just all part of the Premier League myth to me. Yeah. But like this whole idea that you have to be in the Premier League, like we see people like, you never see anyone crying when their team goes down from the championship to League One. But when they go down from the Premier League to the championship, it's like all of a sudden your club's worthless and like we've lost everything. It's burnt to the floor. There's nothing that can be salvaged here. Like your club's still open. Isn't that what's important? Like you can still go to games and get around it. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I look at things differently. I know that, but yeah. I don't know about you, but I bawled my eyes out when Leeds were relegated from the championship. <laughs> you were like, you're a kid. I was a kid. Yeah. Like 10. I was a kid who had only experienced bad things with a club that I supported. I was like, why me? Why have I chosen this fortune? Yeah. Um, the other, other notes I had from this game was um, you were right about the slide tackle. The slide tackle is dead. It's, it's gone. There was a tackle from uh, McNeil on Saka, which looked pretty fair. Like good, it, was, it was hard, but he wasn't dirty. He got the ball, and obviously Saka's running with the ball, so he's going to end up going to ground. Um, the referee, I believe it was Pawson last night, but I'm not a hun- I can't remember. Uh, gave a foul, and I just I, my immediate thought was yes, the slide tackle is dead. Now, uh, if you, have you got something? No, I just wholeheartedly no. agree. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to talk about this comes on the back of watching Burnley. Um, 
and this isn't me having a kick at Burnley. This is probably an issue for referees and things and the game in general. It, hap- it just so happens that it happens a lot in Burnley games. Um, I swear you could just flick through the game and you'd only have 45, 50 minutes of football. Every time I was counting last night and we're looking at like 40, 40 seconds for a goal kick, 20 to 30 seconds every time there's a throw in. Anytime the ball stops, there's a long delay. Um, and this isn't because they held Arsenal to a draw. This is something Burnley do every week. Um, goalkeepers holding the ball. This is across the league now. Goalkeepers holding the ball for like 20, so 20 seconds or more before they even kick it upfield. Yeah. And nothing is said about it. Everyone just goes about it like this is normal. Um, but I think on, yeah. on the goalkeeper one, they'll address that very soon because this is something that is really riling people up. At the moment, um, oh, uh, post-game, Bielsa really never lays into the referees. Usually just cops on the chin, bad performance, my mistake. But even he commented on, because the Newcastle Leeds game was a similar thing. Uh, there was The ball was out of play for a long time. And we don't have the stats with us, but I'm sure that on average, there's less football being played at the moment. Uh, but even Bielsa said post-game, the referees are the ones that have to um, enforce this, this kind of thing. And so yeah. if you've got all the Premier League managers now starting to chat about this thing, it, sh- it should be addressed yeah. very soon. And it's hard to blame. I don't blame teams like Burnley or Norwich or Watford for doing this sort of thing when they're in a position to get a point because they like the points are so valuable for them. I don't blame them for doing it. It, it falls back on the people who run the game to make sure that we're getting... That's it. They're always talking about uh, the Premier League as a product. They treat it as a product. Um, just it, They're not delivering it the best way they can. We can do better with it. No, most certainly. Um, yeah. Pretty much exactly agree with that. <laughs> they just need to do more. We'll move on from bashing on Burnley. Um, like I said, Arsenal should have won anyway. So my points yes. are still valid. Yes. I think the difference, because we were praising Southampton for their organization against City. I think the difference is with Burnley is that there's no other way that they play. This is how they play against Norwich. This is how they play against Man City. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. 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 And no matter who boring. they're playing against, this is how they play. Uh, yeah. Part of me does wonder if maybe Dyche is the reason they're always hanging so low. And people will say he's a good manager because Burnley aren't great and they get, um, you know, they get results. We're back on Burnley again. And they get results, <laughs> but they, they get the odd point here and there. They do win some games. But they still find themselves in this scrap. But I don't think it's because they don't have players that are good enough. I think that's just how Dyche thinks they have to play. I don't know if Dyche gives his team enough credit. I reckon Dyche has now assembled a side that plays this dog shit brand of football and now they are both not good enough and do not play a good enough style. If you put, you could put almost any manager in the world in that Burnley side and you're not going to keep them up this season. And, you know, I'm glad we're spending a bit of time on Burnley because I have a feeling after next year, we're never going to speak about this team again. Because how could they ever come back to the Prem with that brand of negativity? It yeah. doesn't work in the championship it's, anymore. It's almost a, a cultural thing at their club now. Um, and I just, I just, I would worry for them if they did go down. How, like you said, how would they be able to rebuild this? It would have to be a massive rebuild because they're just, you know, there's no, I don't see any mind. faith there. There's no inspiration. It's, 
they had a few chances late last night and they, they do a lot of weeks where they, you know, they can get balls in, you know, they would get balls into Chris Wood and they were very good at doing that to Wood and Barnes and hit teams on the counter, try and get the ball into them and they would be good enough to snag a goal here or there. But they don't have Chris Wood anymore, so that's their attacking firepower gone. And I just I would be very worried if I was a Burnley fan about the way they go about it, whether it gets you a point here and there or not. Yeah, okay, that is definitely enough on Burnley. That's definitely enough on Burnley. Should we talk about Crystal Palace and Liverpool? Yeah, what a game! This is one I I did watch. Take um, it away for a good sixty minutes. You know, it was actually a quite enthralling game because Crystal Palace really took it to Liverpool. They had multitude of chances uh edward really like back heel from the six yard box that could have gone anywhere we could be talking about a very different game um but again we're going to talk about var because they have totally ruined another football match and decided the outcome of a game yeah do we want to do you have any other notes on the actual football before we start this one or i thought <laughs> i commented to you when van dyke scored uh, in the first first 10 minutes Yep. I've seen that goal so many times. Yeah. The, the, the whipped near post uh, set piece. Somehow Van Dyke gets himself all alone and he's going to score every day of the week. 10 out of 10 times he scores from there. Uh, Oxlade Chamberlain's goal was nice build up, like just proper Liverpool goal that you'd expect from them. It doesn't, it's funny how it doesn't seem to matter who they put in these attacking positions. The system is that good and the understanding between whatever player in that position is, you know, that fluid they're going to score goals and they score yep. the similar looking goals every week. So, but after that palace really wrestled it back from them. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I had my eyes on the Arsenal game, but just following along uh, through like live blogs and stuff and reading group chats when people were saying, Oh, this looks like this has got like an absolute trouncing written all over it after the Van Dyke <laughs> goal went in. But then, yeah, like you said, um, a few people mentioning the Liverpool choke looked on because palace were really coming into it. And Palace do play good football. Um, Vieira's got them clicking nicely. We've said on here a few times they probably need to win more games. Um, but, you know, they're building a good basis uh, for moving forward next season. Um, and, yeah, we reached the moment where they're taken out of the game by what I believe to be an absolute stinker of a decision. It's a travesty. Um, yeah, Jota, the penalty called. Uh, where do you want to start with this? You can take it away if you want. I'd, I'm just pleased that, you know, guys like Alan Shearer and the post-match pundits are now calling out this kind of thing as regularly as we have over the 50 episodes of this pod. They were ropeable. Yeah, they really were. Like Shearer, you could see, was like foaming in the mouth. And I like yeah. there was a there was a comment by one of the co-coms um, that Shearer would have scored twice the amount of goals in the Prem yeah. in his era. <laughs> and, and he would have. Like, because yeah. you consider the physicality and the football, I like to call it footballing incidences of the past compared to footballing incidences now with VAR review. And yep. we are scrutinizing every clash in the box and it is not working. Yeah. That is, it's not a pen when you deviate your line from the ball. Like, yeah. He's run into the keeper. So we've had a lot of these like similar ones in the past where the player knocks the ball past the goalkeeper and it's going out and the keeper just kind of slides through them. I think you're more in the camp of them not being penalties. Yeah. Um, I'm in the camp of if you're, you know, if the keeper just comes and takes you out, that's, you know, because keepers do get away with being very erratic. Um, (laughs) But in this case, 
Jota has deviated from, like you said, the line of the ball, and he's kind of just collapsed into the goalkeeper. It's more a foul on the keeper than anything. I think so. Yeah, because the keeper restrains himself really well. He takes two steps. He stays and out stops. of the line. He stays yeah. out of the line of between Jota and the ball. He kind of restrains, um, doesn't go in for it. And you see him take the step towards him and just kind of collapse into his chest. And it's just like, I don't understand how this can ever be given. What I re- like, what baffles me the most is say the ref, say we had no VAR and the referee had called this a penalty. It'd mm-hmm. be a, you could say it's a howler. Um, but we'd we'd live with it in the sense that yeah, it's a shit decision. That's horrible. You've got it wrong. But you got one look at it in full speed, and you've given it. Exactly. Maybe that's, his angle that's was bad, skewered somewhere. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's still bad. But I could live with that much more than he's not called a pen. And then someone like Alan Shearer said last night. Alan Shearer said that someone is sitting in a bar booth there and thinks this is an absolute howler because. We've, I feel like we've gone away from the whole clear and obvious error thing. Mm, we have. I thought definitely. VAR was for clear and obvious errors. I don't know how this is a clear and obvious error. Like, so the, that that to me says the person we either aren't doing clear and obvious error anymore, or the person in the VAR booth thinks the referee has made an absolute howler by not giving a penalty there. And I don't see how either of those are possible. I would I would love to know the the honest thoughts of the referee. Was it Kevin Friend? Post game, it would be great if he could be like, "Well, there was no way that was a penalty." And wouldn't it be great if one prem referee actually went over to the little screen on the sideline yeah. and walked away from it and said, "No, nah, I'm going to stick with my decision." I'm, I'm sticking. With, that was also mentioned in the broadcast. I can't remember who was on with Shearer on the other side of the table, but he said the same thing. He's like, "I would. Why doesn't the referee go over and look at it and go, hang on, no, there's nothing wrong with this. Why have you called me over to look at it? Um, I'm happy with my original decision, but they don't seem to do it for any of these." Um, collisions in the box, like we've started calling them footballing incidents, like yeah. Formula One racing incidents. Um, we're, there's always, and the commentary team don't help with their constant, oh, there's contact, there's mm. contact. It doesn't really do contact, doesn't it. mean a foul every time. Otherwise, every single tackle we have in this sport is a fucking foul. Every that's not how challenge. it works. Yeah, I just don't understand. So the VAR obviously decided to howl it and he looks at it and says, oh, yeah, I'm overturning my decision. On what basis? I just don't get it. They should be – I don't believe they should be, like, questioned and, like, interrogated about these in public. That's for, like, referee associations and stuff. But I still would like to see just a simple explanation of why they have ruled something the way they have. I don't want it to go into like they give their reason and then someone says, oh, yeah, but I just, just want their reason and then move on. I'd love to see that. That would make things a lot clearer for us. It wouldn't make them any more correct. I just, it just baffles me. Yeah, There are so many ways that they could improve upon what they're doing right now, and they're not doing any of them, which is the most painstaking bit. Like surely now we have the video evidence and a precedent of refereeing decisions that you can group incidences together and say, okay, this is this, this is that, this is this. Why do we seem to have every week one call being given one way and one call not being given the other way? Like it's just, yeah, it's bonkers. There would be so many other examples of what Jota did uh, to the palace keeper over the, over the premier league weekend. And they are not given at all. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. It, I feel like it's made this kind of, it's kind of built this thing now where players players know and they look for it. I know players look, always 
players do look for fouls all the time. But that's why the refereeing just needs to be better and just not what what concerns me is um <laughs> I won't name any names, but uh, some Russell. referees some referees that I know all uh, agreed that it was a penalty and that confuses me greatly. I do see comments from referees and I think okay, you're in you're interpreting the rules, which I I uh, like appreciate, but <clears throat> we're talking about the wider footballing consciousness, and I feel like if there's enough people that think one way, then maybe the rules should be the ones to change, not not us. But I I don't even understand where in the rules this is a foul. I I believe it's that he's um, deemed like the goalkeeper is deemed to have impeded Jota's yeah, yeah. Jota, but he hasn't because <laughs> he's stopped running at the ball. I just ah uh, well ah uh, well. We're never going to figure these things out and we're going to be doomed to talk about them. For, or maybe AI can fix this. Sweating, sweating on God. artificial intelligence. No, let's just get rid of VAR and live with the bad decisions. They're not going to get rid of it though, are they? No, nah, they're not getting rid of it now. It's here to stay. It's only going to get worse, I reckon, before it gets better. Anyway, uh, so that's Palace Liverpool. We should say uh, Liverpool, they were a little worried Stupidly, yeah, Liverpool fans were a bit worried about not having Salah and Mane, but look at your squad, man. Come on. You are fine. You guys are fine. Now, obviously, within six points, we're the game in hand. No. If they uh, win their not, game in hand. Yeah. If they win their game in hand, it'll be six points from City. I still think it's too much because City will be too good, but it's more interesting, um, and hopefully that gap can get a bit closer just for the neutral sake of the league. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Cool. We'll move on. I don't think we have much else in the Premier League this week, do we? Uh, just Chelsea win. Uh, ZX goal was real. Of course, I forgot about this game. I did watch it this morning as well. A few weeks in a row, you've <laughs> forgotten about Chelsea. I know. I just I don't mean to. They um, yeah. Firstly, for Spurs, just they've been on a real good bounce lately since Conte mm-hmm. came in. Um, but a couple of losses to Chelsea now that have just kind of slowed them down. Luckily, in the only in the League Cup. I, could, I say only, but for Spurs only. fans, the League Cup was probably circled as a... <laughs> as, as the a, chance, as, yeah. As the chance this year. <laughs> so it should be. Actually, it was probably the Conference League, which they got kicked out of for not having enough players. <laughs> oh, let's not bring that up. Yeah. That is a point of contention. I wasn't saying that as a stab at Spurs fans, but they, yeah, I'd be ropeable if <laughs> you had no players because of COVID <laughs> and they just kicked you out of the comp. Um, but yeah, Chelsea, for them... Oh, it's just it's frustrating. Feels a little too late because I I enjoy this Chelsea squad. They have a lot of players that I enjoy watching, and it's frustrating that they kind of took themselves out of the title race and now, you know, bounce back with a big win here. Keep some kind of in it, I guess, but I just still can't. I can't really see it. I'm just trying to be nice there. I, I don't yeah. think they're in it. Um, but they yeah. do look like they're confirming what we said at the start of the season about the top three clubs kind of having broken away. Yep. Now they're going to be marooned in that third spot with a gap to one and two and fourth and beyond for the rest of the season, I think. Good like good team, but I'm enjoying them less and less as the season goes on. They're yep. probably for all the reasons we've spoken about before. They're just not doing enough uh, in the front third for me as a neutral when I watch games. It's it's methodical and it's organized and it's possession heavy and like I appreciate that. Yeah. But I just think for the quality of player that they're they're, you know, they're not producing. 
I'm still I'm not convinced Tuchel's got it quite right yet with his squad and his team each week. I think that'll come though. Um, they should definitely stick with him because he is a quality manager. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm um, not suggesting get rid of Tuchel, but think, it just yeah, it looks like Lukaku hasn't been. Lukaku was supposed to be the final piece, and it hasn't yeah. been. And I think that's what's letting him down this season. Yep, that's a fair point. Uh, just a couple of quick other notes before we finish. I just wanted to talk about Andre Kramaric, if you don't mind. Oh, all right. Um, the the croak connection. What connection? <laughs> What's the connection? You are dumb. <laughs> you fill in. You fill in the blanks. That's how this get off my podcast. <laughs> get off my podcast. Does anyone want to co-host Night Shift Football with me? Because I'm looking. We're looking. We're looking for someone. We're looking. Um, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm not actively seeking my replacement. Okay. <laughs> I am. Andre Kramerich, this guy, I don't know how many people will know this guy's name. They might, cause he, was, he was in and around the Croatia squad, a real underrated uh, striker from the Bundesliga. But most notably, <laughs> I felt sad for this guy a few years back. He was on the Leicester City's books when they won the, when they won the Premier League. And uh, the poor guy was loaned out to Hoffenheim that season and didn't end up winning the Premier League. Uh, which is which is sad. That is, I find that sad. Uh, but he did. He ended up getting a permanent move to Hoffenheim after that, and he's got a hundred goals now for them. A uh, hundred goals for Hoffenheim, who are a mid-table German club, and I think that's a pretty good return over five years. What do you think? Yep. No, very good. It's like it's a goal every two games or or less. I think it is uh, ninety-nine and one hundred and seventy or something. So that's yeah, rid- oh, hundred yeah. and hundred and seventy. That's a ridiculous return. And I like the article we were looking at before, an underrated fish, uh, an underrated big fish in one of Germany's smallest ponds. And that's a beautiful way to sum him up, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So there you go. There's a little note for Andre Kramerich. For all the Andre Kramerich fans out there, which I'm sure there are just so many listening to There must be. The Kramerich fan club. Wasn't that who they were protesting to keep in the country earlier this year? You you need to stop. You need to stop. He's rated 83 in FIFA. So, you know, maybe... yeah, maybe aerial presence. Someone to throw up, throw in the box if you need a goal later on. Uh, no, I, I don't really recall him scoring too many headers, but he's, he can finish. He's a good finisher. He look, he's, he scored he a nice strong. volley on the weekend against Dortmund. Uh, he's just <laughs> one of those one of those strikers. You know how you just have you have strikers that just, they're not really flared. They just, they score goals. That's just what they do. Like Diego Costa, Danny Ings, um, Kramerich. <laughs> Them of three <laughs> strikers that just like proper number nines, you know. What an illustrious group you've just put yeah. him with. <laughs> I've thrown Costa in with Costa. Danny Ings and, <laughs> and Andre Kramerich. I would Don't argue. Co- Don't I would argue Chelsea Costa fans. had plenty of flair. Flair, you reckon flair? Yeah, mainly in his, mainly in his, uh, in his fists, mainly yeah. in the in the bottom of his boots when he was stomping down on people. All right. The other note before we wrap up. Milan versus mm. Juve this morning in Syria. Uh, Inter got a win this weekend as well to keep them up. Napoli won 4-1, which puts them into second. And then the big one this morning, Milan-Juve, ended nil-nil. It was a good game. Yeah. It was a really good game. It was really frantic first half. Second half slowed down. In the end, just a battle between two good teams but not great teams and probably reflects their positions in the table um, Juve not good enough to really break a team down and create clear chances, 
Milan able to create clearer chances but not put them away. Um, that kind of that's why they're not top of the league. They're mm. probably still missing a gun midfielder and a striker, maybe a centre back too, if they want to win it. It's an entire spine. <laughs> they have a good team. They have a really good team. A lot of good players, but not yeah, like I said before, not great. So yeah. Can't consistently um, having handle. having Giroud and Ibrahimovic as your two main strikers, it's pretty like for like. Yeah, um, you need no someone else in there. And for Inter, like they've lost Chiesa for the season, and that's he he had a successful surgery yesterday, I believe, as well for his ACL, some sort of injury like that. We'll go, we'll go with that. But yeah, he's out for the season, and that that hurts them so much because they just don't really produce a lot of goals outside of him. Yeah, it sounds like the two sides need to combine. They've got one of each of which they're looking for. So I think we should have a super club. You've just tried to merge like Croatians and Serbians together. And now you want to merge Milan and Juve together. I just, I like to, um, I'm a, you know, I like a utopia, a peaceful utopia where we can all join together and get along. This is probably a good spot to end this episode. I think. Is there a name for the Milan Juve game? You know how there's, they usually give names. I think so, but I don't know. It's probably something about, Something about women and grandness and like, I don't know, like really pompous stuff. I don't know. (laughs) Well, on women and grandness, that'll do for this. Yeah. (laughs) Stay tuned. Episode 50.1 coming up. That'll be about Adelaide United and their team of the decade and a big win over Brisbane, our second win of the season. So tune into that. Get around us on the social medias. Give us a like. Give us a share. Get around. Just get around us. Get around us. And if you want to come co-host and replace Tommy, give us a shout. (laughs) Happy 50th, big fella.